1: Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. It's September. It's September 2021. We're still in the pandemic. How's that going for you guys? Just pausing here where you can all scream. Okay, good. Uh, Also, happy Labor Day. I have a Labor Day-themed interview for you. It's with Defector Media Editor-in-Chief Tom Light. Defector is the employee-owned sports website formed after everyone who used to work at the website formerly known as Deadspin got up and quit en masse. They are a year old. They have made a run. They're still going. It seems like it's working. Tom um, gives us pretty good specific details about how that's going, why it's working, what they're doing, what they're not doing. I think you're all going to enjoy this one. Have a good break. Good luck with the homestretch talk to you soon. Here's me and Tom Lay. I'm here with Tom Lay. He's the editor-in-chief of Defector, which is uh, the sports blog owned by Defector Media. We can go into the back history. I think a lot of people listening to this show know Defector and some of the story here, if you're just catching up. This is the site that used to be Deadspin until everyone was working. Everyone who worked at Deadspin got up and quit one day and then eventually launched this site. So it was employee-owned for profit, independent sports media company. I, I think that's the only one of a
3: kind, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if there's one doing uh, specifically sports blogging like we are. Um, you know, I think there are other subscription-based co-op style um, publications out there, but I, I think we're the only ones sort of doing it uh, on this particular topic and to the scale that we're trying to do it.
2: Yeah, I think the highest profile version of this, anyone listening to this podcast knows a lot about Substack and what's going on there. And we'll, we'll we'll do some compare and contrast and also, you know, big media, established media's move sort of away from ads to subscriptions or some sort of melding of that. The reason I'm talking to you right now, it's the beginning of September, which means you guys launched a year ago. Congrats. You're still in business. What's the state of the business right now? Let's, let's just start there. How many people are subscribing? How much are they paying? And how many? And and are you guys profitable?
3: Yeah. So the state of the business is good. We recently just passed the 40,000 paid subscriber plateau. And, and the base level there is 80 bucks, right? Yeah. I think it's $79 a year is the base level. And then there are various tiers. You can go up to one that's like, I think 120 and then one that's a thousand dollars a year if you're insane and want to give us $1,000 a year for some reason.
2: <laughs> so I'm not great at math, so I just punched this into a calculator. But, mm-hmm. but by my by my Apple Macintosh calculators uh, calculations, you guys are at $3 million plus a year in revenue. Yes. Um, how many employees do you have?
3: Oh, uh, well, good question. Um, 23, I think. And what's the average salary for those folks? Well, it's a, it's a little difficult to answer. We, we're set up so that everyone makes the same base amount mm-hmm. uh, every two weeks. So we all have a base salary that's the same, uh, which is uh $58,000. Mm-hmm. And then all of us have what we refer to as like target salaries, mm-hmm. uh, which we get to depending on how the business is doing. And those are in ranges according to your title. And we top people up towards those target salaries on a quarterly basis, depending on, you know, if we feel comfortable, you know, doing that and not, you know, trying to hold more money in reserve. So what's, what, what, what can I max out right now at, at Defector? The max you could make at Defector right now is $110,000 for the that year. That is a reasonable salary in, uh, in, in most of America. Yeah, I mean, the salaries up and down the border, competitive market salaries, you know, nobody is, um, getting screwed on their target salary. Um, and so far this year we've uh, we're on track uh, I believe to make uh, have everyone make their targets. So three million plus dollars, 23
2: people starting at 58 grand. a shorter version of the question are you guys profitable and/ or sustainable?
3: Right. well so that's um, a question that we probably won't fully be able to answer until the end of next week. Um, so what's going to happen on September 10th is a huge chunk of our annual subscribers are going to come up for renewal. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have to see, um, you know, how many of those people decide to stick around for year two or how many of those people are like, oh, I subscribed and like never read it. Now I'm unsubscribing. Do you
2: have any sense? I assume you guys are not spending a ton of time doing audience surveys, but do you have a sense of, of, of who's going to renew? What, what do you, what's, what's your gut tell you? Yeah, we have what's a your pretty informed good gut?
3: Sense. uh We're, we're all fairly confident. One thing we know is that the majority of people who are subscribed are also reading the site very regularly, like every day. Um, so I don't think we have a big cohort of subscribers who like, Tossed us a hundred bucks uh, at the beginning of last year and then just forgot about us. So that's encouraging. Also encouraging is that a lot of the people who subscribed in the first week after we announced, they got a like an early bird discount. And if they come back for a year or two, they'll be paying uh, the more full price. It's like you know twenty percent more. Mm-hmm. So we've sort of like, I wouldn't say we've agonized over this, um, but we've looked at various outcomes and and models and like you know thresholds to keep us going and it's it's a pretty i don't think it'll be too hard to clear you know like barring more than half of the people who originally subscribed with us like bailing next week um we will be in decent shape i think
2: so this is an experiment and it's one year in but if if the experiment is can you guys do this can you have an employee owned Mm -hmm internet media company that pays everyone a living wage uh, and treats its employees humanely, the answer seems to be,
3: yeah. Yeah, for year one, yes. And we're definitely at the point where like, we will make it through year two, you know, no matter what happens, we'll be here, you know, again in a year, and then hopefully a year after that. Like, you know, long-term, who knows? We'll see, maybe over time people just say like okay I'm actually not into this and you know 5 years down the road we we run out of subscribers but for now year 1 was great year 2 will happen and um, hopefully it'll be just as great as year one was.
2: Is there a plan B if there is real attrition and, and you know, a lot of people have been launching um, um, paid subscription businesses in the last year or so? A lot of substacks went up in the last year or so. A lot of people are competing for your readers' dollars. Mm-hmm. If for some reason it doesn't work, uh, um, your, your calculations are off, is there a backup plan?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, the simplest backup plan is like, Our salaries are just smaller in year two than they were in year one. You know, like we just might not get to our target salaries, which is something I think we're all comfortable with if it comes to that, because we're a bunch of people who, like, not that we don't care about money, but, you know, we were in, spent like 10 months uh, after we left Deadspin just sort of not doing anything and not -hmm. having a very good time, not making any money. So, like, if you had told any of us, back then, like, hey, you could have your blogging job back and you'll make $58,000 a year. We'd have been like, great, let's do that. So that's the first backup plan. It's just like, we'd be comfortable with that. Beyond that, like, we do want this to be a primarily subscription-based business. You know, we've run some very small, unobtrusive ad campaigns on the site, but those are only worth, like, a couple thousand dollars they're not making or breaking anybody part of your pitch to the
2: readers and i think employees was we're not gonna be an ad-based business you're not an ad-based
3: business is there a way to like add ads but still have it be a subscription-based business right so we that's a line we don't really want to cross like we've the ads that we've done they're very cheap because they're very small and you know they don't it's not pop-up ads or banner ads or anything like that so we don't Mm -hmm we don't really want to go any further than we already have with that. We don't want to end up being like the 20th sports media company that's like exciting to announce our partnership with DraftKings and it's the DraftKings takeover mm-hmm. of defector.com and like here's my bets for this week. Like that's a road we don't want to go down. So that is not a plan B. My hope is that like our value proposition will remain really strong. Like I think Sure, there are a lot of Substacks out there that you can pay five dollars a month for, and maybe it's you know an interesting person that you like reading. But there's like twenty of us, and you can get it for basically the same price. And um, maybe you'd rather just take that deal rather than paying you know ten different five dollars subscriptions to ten guys on Substack that you write. I started this conversation
2: out kind of diving right into numbers, which is probably not great podcasting, but I, but I wanted to just get a sense of, of the mechanics and how it's working. So let's let's zoom out and just talk about Defector mm-hmm. as, as a media property. I think of it as, you know, an extension of what Deadspin was. Uh, I was a, a regular Deadspin reader. This seems, it's got a lot of the same writers, obviously. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're doing what you were doing prior to getting sued out of existence by <laughs> Peter Thiel. Mm-hmm. Uh, using Hulk Hogan as a as a front, mm-hmm. but that, then again, that was a that was an ad based company. Is there is there are there real differences in the way you guys are approaching sports or the way you're approaching writing and, and running a media company um, between
3: this version
2: of, of Deadspin and, and the original?
3: Yeah, for sure. We're moving a lot slower than we ever did at Deadspin, and this is something we talked about pre launch and and how we wanted to handle like the editorial output because. You know, we, I think we were proud of everything we wrote at Deadspin, but a lot of it was just like news blogging, you know, because it was a traffic-based mm-hmm. business. Quick so hit, like, reactive. Right, yeah. If, if we were sitting around at work and um, Kevin Love got traded, we would just have to get a post up that was like, oh, Kevin Love got traded. Like, look at that, you know, and it's, you know, maybe 200 words. And what we've been trying to do is like strike more of a balance at Defector where we are capable of doing that sort of fast reactive blogging, but only when we like really want to like have a reason to like we have a really funny headline we want to use or, you know, a funny angle to do a quick hit blog on this. Mm -hmm. And then other than that, like just sort of taking more time with stuff. Um, because we can and it's it's a different proposition where people are paying to read your website. like I think it's fair for them to expect like maybe a little bit more care and consideration put into even sort of the smaller 800 to 1500 word blog posts that we would do at Deadspin. So it's been an, it's been an interesting balance trying to sort of balance those two things of that like fast, Rambunctious blogging spirit where you're just kind of like locked in, putting stuff on the site all day, which is what Deadspin was, mm-hmm. and something just slightly more considered, I guess. So I think pace it's is so different. Well. Yeah. yeah,
2: pace is different. And I want to ask you about that in a second, but also. You know, I am old enough to remember when Deadspin published Brett Favre dick pics. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and that generated a lot of traffic and mm-hmm. that may or may not have made money for Nick Denton. It are, but it seems like, and you guys are certainly provocative, but I haven't seen you guys intentionally trading in that stuff. And your ver- it seems like your version of that is like, we talked to a bunch of different women who sued Deshaun Watson for, for sexual assault. Is that is that an intentional shift for you?
3: Um, I mean, I think that's like a natural shift that was already happening at Deadspin too before we left. You know, like reporting and breaking stories is something that we still definitely want to do. But I think that just like, you know, everyone's gotten better at handling those kinds of stories more carefully and being more considered. And so we're just one of many places that I think are, are trying to be a little more careful about how that stuff is done.
2: And on the reactive front, I still, and I'm a, I'm a subscriber, mm-hmm. and I enjoy your stuff. W- what I've learned over the months, though, that I've been a subscriber is, if something interesting to me happened at sports, and I know you guys are covering it, whether it's NBA or English Premier League, mm-hmm. I should not expect you guys to be necessarily writing about a cool game that happened or an interesting trade. And it's a little frustrating to me because that means I have to read somewhere else and and I'm now mired in weird Google searches and who knows what I'm getting. And, you know, you you go to a restaurant, you can only get what's on the menu, that it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But is there a way to satisfy that itch I have? I mean, I, I would like to hear someone smart at Defector talk to me about the, you know, uh, Whatever, 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 you know, you, you guys did like a write a fun piece about Ben Simmons asking to get traded, right? And was right. smart and considered. That's what I want. But do you, you do those maybe one out of 10 times?
3: I would say maybe more like one out of four. Okay. You know, like um, the thing is, you know, the site for Defector and for Deadspin was always just about whatever the people on staff were interested in. Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand the frustration of like sometimes, there's maybe something going on in sports that you are interested in, but maybe nobody on staff is like interested in it enough to do something with it beyond what would have just been a, you know, pretty basic news aggregation. But that is something that like I still think about constantly because there are times when it's like, oh shit, do we miss out on that? Like, you know, is this a big enough story that we really should just get it up on the site, even though we don't have anything super substantial to say about it
2: the internal thing at at, at vox media right is put it on the screen right people are slacking on it so if you're slacking about it if you're emailing if you're talking about it why wouldn't you type up something we do
3: have a uh what we call slack law if, if something's being uh discussed in slack for you know longer than 10 or 15 minutes you know the editors reserve the right to to declare Slack Law, which means that someone just needs to actually write a blog post about it. You
2: last person to type about this, put that on the site. Yeah, so it's I dangerous, like
3: you know. Like if you're getting into a conversation Slack, like be aware that you might get roped into this somehow.
2: That's very funny. We have a yeah. version of that here where it's not a law. Just all the writers know that if you Slack about something in the, at the in the Recode site, um, you may get assigned to write about right, it. Yeah. So it, it, it makes you wary to to put something in Slack. Um, so. We're very happy with this. It seems like it's working. What's the what's the downside of the model that you're running? What's the thing that you could have done at old dead spin you can't do now? Or what's the thing you wish you could do, but the structure doesn't allow for it?
3: Um maybe this'll sound like a cop-out, but I, I don't really feel like we've found one yet. Like like this rules so far. Like I don't I don't really know how to say like this has been uh, an extremely fulfilling year for me professionally and I, I think for everyone else on the staff yeah i don't i don't think we've had anything come up yet where we were like oh i wish we were still at deadspin cuz mm-hmm. this and this would have happened in, instead of this which you know i, I don't want to like toot our own horn or brag too much about the company that we've set up but um yeah i don't i don't miss it <laughs> I like I like what we're doing now more than what we used to be doing. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Tom Lay.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline, because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a
1: good neighbor, State Farm is there. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO, Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: And we're back. We've been talking about sort of the the slow news thing you're doing and subscription-based, your employee-owned. That, mm-hmm. that was important when you started. Does that matter in terms of day-to-day how you're operating? Um, does it matter that the employees own the company instead of private equity or venture capital? I get that, that those things change the model of sort of where the business goes, but in terms of how you're operating day-to-day, does it feel different?
3: Yes, that's um, probably the biggest difference between... What we're doing now and what we were in a dead spin so when we first started we spent a lot of time with various working groups setting up basically like you know the company constitution the operating agreement um that we all had to sign and so the way we're set up is um editorially a pretty standard hierarchy you know on the editor-in-chief there are other senior editors that work you know, next to me, and then there are staff writers below that. And, like, mm-hmm. so editorial decisions pretty much get made like they would at any other publication. You know, like, everything sort of stops with me. It's my responsibility if we fuck something up or if something needs a, a final right, say. Right, the collective like, is not assigning stories. Right. Now, yeah, we're not, like, you know, yeah, deciding, like, pitches by vote um, like that. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, you know, we are a very collaborative environment editorially, just naturally. So we do spend a lot of time discussing things together and then coming up with ideas, but business-wise, you know, everybody's involved. Uh, so the, I guess I would say the main decision-making body, uh, for the company is, uh, we call it our manager board. And so that's me and Jasper Wang, who's our, um, head of operations and writer, business guy. He's our business guy. Yeah. Our one, our one business guy. (laughs) Um, and then there are two other seats on that board that are, um, reserved for an editor and a staff writer. And those will get, uh, those are voted on by the rest of the staff. Um, and they will rotate every year. So the way it's been going this year, it's like me, Jasper, Giddy Nathan, and Diana Moskowitz are the, manager board. And so we're sort of the ones that make, you know, medium sized business decisions as in like, what should the freelance budget be? Uh, should we open a position that we want to hire for, you know, stuff like that, that you need just sort of some something smaller than, you know, 20 people all making a choice on. And then in addition to that, there are various standing committees that we have that everybody participates in so like one of them is the growth committee where we meet occasionally to just talk about ideas for you know improving subscriptions or growing the business or or whatever and that's you know a group of like five people just from the staff and you kind of choose which committee you want to be on based on what you're interested in so there's one that's you know for like Company culture. Uh, there's one for um, we want to start doing events when that's possible. So we're you know I'm talking about ideas for that, and then you know anything that's like a really big company decision, like should we decide to sell a chunk of it or something, or do we want to hire someone else at sort of an executive level, or do we want to. Get rid of me or Jasper. Those are staff wide votes mm-hmm. um, that need a two thirds majority to happen. Dumb question, but I'll ask it
2: anyway. Does, does is this structure sort of obviate any discussion of, of whether you
3: guys should be unionized? Yeah, I think so. We, we asked ourselves, like, I figured we started, that was the answer, yeah, but, we but, like, I, but I wait, thought I would not We don't need a union, right? Because we just sort of like are the union. And so far a year in, we haven't run into anything that uh has changed that answer
2: there's no wga or news guild person knocking on the doors <laughs> you guys yeah. should, should join us yeah okay uh i really this is really fascinating i i am curious what you think about your pitch to readers and and your and and why people are subscribing to you versus a substack my sense of the substack world is a lot of it is people paying there's some practical uh, sort of trade. Sometimes people want business news or crypto news Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but a lot of it seems to be people signaling affinity with with the writer and their political stance. It tends to sort of favor sort of right-wing bomb throwers, but not Mm -hmm. exclusively. Mm -hmm. I certainly assume that a lot of people who were signing up for Deadspin when you guys launched were doing some version of the same thing. Either they loved Deadspin or they hated private equity or some combination of that. Uh, How much of, of your appeal do you think aligns with I'll just say it just to piss you guys off. A Glenn Greenwald or a, or a Barry Weiss, people sort of saying, this is my flag, this is my tote bag and I and I I'm signaling with my dollars
3: what yeah. I, what I like. No, that's that's not an offensive question at all. I have been thinking about that a lot as we come towards this one year marker cuz you know like I see some absurd number of people are pairing Barry Weiss now and she's making like $800,000 a year and I think to myself I'm like those people don't read her stuff like they don't care like they just you know like you said it's a infinity thing they want to show to whoever else you know like who they support and what side they're on and like that i'm sure that was true for us when we launched you know like i'm sure there was a number of people who subscribed to to defector mostly you know just because of the circumstances of how it was created you know we we had like a pretty good story to sell. Um, You know, all these people in an act of solidarity walked off together and now they're starting this new thing. And like, don't you want to support that? Um, And I'm not going to lie and say like, we didn't lean into that and, and, you know, use that as part of our pitch. And so my, my hope is that like now at the end of year one, we've actually done the work necessary to convince people that like, there's more to it than just that. And, um, you know, my hope is that if people are making that choice coming up in year two, I hope that they've seen enough on the site to be able to make a decision of like, I either like this site or I don't. And if I do like it- It's gonna it, stand on its own. Right, I like it enough that I want it to continue existing. And if you want it to continue existing, you gotta subscribe because we don't, we don't have much else as a strategy for staying and I, I i realize that's sort of like i don't mean that as like to be as forceful as it sounds i guess but like you know that's the model that we have right your story we'll, we'll talk about the story
2: in a minute but it, but eventually that story just recedes into the background right, right? and it's, it's not top of mind it stops mattering
3: and... you know now the site exists and it should be judged on its own merits and if you're a person who likes it then you know you have to you have to pay for it that's just kind of how we're set up.
2: So let's talk about the story for a second. So mm-hmm. the, I'll do the the super fast capsule version. You guys used to be part of the Gawker media empire owned by Nick Denton, sued into bankruptcy by Peter Thiel. Univision buys it out of out of bankruptcy yes. court. That's a mess. You guys write provocative stories about what a fucked up company Univision mm-hmm. is. You end up uh, now owned then owned by uh, something called uh, was it Great Hill. Great Hill Partners. Great Hill Partners run it. by my old boss, Jim Spanfeller. <laughs> so it's a private equity company run by a guy who ran Forbes.com back in the, you know, in, you know pioneering the the, the terrible listicle slideshow yeah. format that is still with us. What I didn't understand looking at that from afar is do the Great Hill people know what they bought? Uh, and And if so, do they intend to sort of let you guys run the way you were running, which is really counter to sort of the way Jim Spanfeller ran a company mm-hmm. and what private equity would want. Um, did they not know and just totally clueless and just thought you were a random sports blog? Did they think that they would end up pushing you guys out? I mean, do you have any sense now with a, with a, a, a couple years of, of hindsight to sort of understand what they were thinking?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say anything for sure. My sense, just having experienced it and, and now having, you know, time to look back on it is i don't i don't think great hill cared too much one way or another like i i think they got us for basically free you know and i think that the pitch was you know jim spanfeller basically told them like look you can have this digital media company with eight sites for nothing and if you put me in charge of it i'll get you a return on investment and they were like mm-hmm. Fine, Great. sure. We don't give a shit. Like you know, private equity firms spend money on stuff all the time, and you know they're just looking for like one out of ten of those investments to hit. So I, I think I, de- I I don't think they knew the first thing about us or really cared.
2: Is there any way that you guys could have succeeded or sustained yourselves in that in that system, or is it always going to be broken? Is there any way where you guys could have toned down your internal provocations ten percent or twenty percent? Um and made some sort of peace with with the new structure. So you all got jobs and you all got healthcare and kept doing what you're doing, didn't have to walk off the site, or was it always doomed?
3: Yeah, I don't think so. I think it was always pretty doomed. And I, I think a thing that gets lost in the sort of uh telling of this history is that it wasn't just us being like, Oh, we don't like, you know, but the vibes of these guys who are in charge and we don't fit with their vision. Like they were like physically breaking the websites you know the the revenue model that they wanted to chase was like the forbes stuff they wanted to start doing slideshows and putting as many ads as possible on the site and making them like literally unusable so it, it wasn't just us being like jim spanfellers you know doesn't get it right i'm not suggesting like, you guys were
2: were, were coddled uh, yeah. Elitist, right i mean you you work for for nick denton who is a rapacious capitalist right <laughs> right um so so you'd, you'd figured out some way to survive um but it
3: seems like just what you guys did was not going to work there. yeah and it wasn't going to work for any version of what we were going to try to do just because you know we were always going to be trending towards want they wanted you know slideshows and you know easy sports news like that you You would find um, just in some two thousand eleven style like click farm type blog, and that just wasn't what we were gonna do. and yeah, you know, like the first big fight we had with them was about um they'd put auto playing sound on video ads on the site. So it was like it doesn't even matter what we're writing like if that's if that's what's being advertised against us, like this shit's not gonna work and nobody's gonna read it. Um, So as long as that was their plan to make money, I don't think we were ever going to work. Can
2: someone else find 23 other writers and put together your business plan for a different topic and or can you do it without having years of building an audience? um, that knows you and likes you. I think about this, like, sort of like the musicians who work with major labels and then go indie, but they've had all the sort of infrastructure for years, making them, you know, national, international, um, um, hits. Does this work for other people or
3: are you guys sort of one of a kind? Yeah, it's tough to say. I, um, I'm very hesitant about being like, this is the model of the future. Everybody should do this. Like it works for us. It's great. You know, everyone just go start a site. Cause I think you're right that like, you know, the decade plus the deadspin existed was sort of um, creating the value that defector eventually cashed in on. And without the very specific set of circumstances, I don't know if that would have worked, but I mean, also having said that we just from day one by nature of, of, uh how all this came together like set ourselves a pretty high bar to clear it's kind of crazy to start with a staff as big as we did you Mm -hmm. know like there is a version of this that someone could do for something else where it's like six to seven people and you know you get i don't know up to 10 you know x whatever writers who are popular and are sort of have the similar vibe and i think if they started a site that could work because you, the subscriber base you need to keep that going is like, it's not that much. Um, you know, that's the big thing we've learned um, since doing this is 40,000 subscribers is a lot. And we feel very lucky that that many people have decided to give us their money. But once you take away all the stuff that money gets spent on at big, you know, corporate media companies, it's not, that much money to run like a pretty big newsroom with a website and you know have everyone make very livable salaries and be able to pay their rent because you know we're not paying anybody an executive salary we're not plowing money into like developing some proprietary platform or whatever you know we have no like e-commerce business we have to invest in we're not paying a sales team or anything like that. So, you know, like if you had the right group and you just were able to reverse engineer, like, okay, how much money would we need per year to keep this running? Like, I think it could work for other people.
2: And have you guys thought about taking this and saying, all right, let's, let's either work with another group that wants to do a version of this or let's expand ourselves and let's, let's move directly into name your vertical uh, of coverage.
3: Yeah. I don't know. We, we, we haven't had any discussions about that. Next week, you know, we're all getting together in New York to sort of have our like. There's no thing. office, right? We, we do have a, a tiny little office chair in Brooklyn that has like 10 seats. So, okay. So you're not, are, but you haven't sunk millions of dollars into no, fancy no. office space in we Manhattan. We got a very, a very good deal because of the pandemic. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, we haven't had any conversations like that. I mean, to some degree, there is already something like that going on, the development firm that made our website for us, Ally, Ally Interactive, what they made for us, they're calling the lead platform. And there's a sort of s- satellite system of sites that are on that platform, and some of them um, came before us. So like, the Colorado Sun is a local news outlet in Denver, and they're on that. They just, the people who used to work at the city pages in Minneapolis just launched a local Minneapolis news site called Racket that uh, Ali made for them and is on the lead um, platform. So that's, that sort of community already exists a little bit. Like we're not tied together editorially or anything like that, but there are the structures and platforms out there that other people can use if if they wanted to try something like this
2: i'm trying to figure out a smart way to wrap this up um time will tell <laughs> time will tell way, yeah terrible way of ending the interview how about this <laughs> tom lay from defector thank you congrats on your first year thank you here's to many more uh we'll be watching reading and i'll be subscribing thanks tom all right thanks i appreciate it thanks again to tom lay for taking time to talk to me Thanks again to our advertisers who allow us to bring you this show for free. I'm sure some of you might pay for this show, but you don't have to, it's for free. We are ad sponsored, we've got no problem with that. Thanks to Joel and Jelani for editing and producing the show. And thanks to you guys for listening, for telling other people you listen. Um, I always like to hear that. I like it when you guys tell me what you like. I like it when you tell me what you don't like. I like it when you tell me that there's someone I should be interviewing. I pay attention to all that stuff, even if I don't always reply to your email or tweet but I'll try to do more of that, more of the replying, that is. Okay, this is Recode Media. I'm Peter Kafka. I will see you next
1: week. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand.